Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a magical fungi supplement company. No, we're not talking magic mushrooms. We're talking natural organic fungi. Lion's mane, chaga, turkey tail, reshi, uh, cordyceps, you name it. They have all different kinds of products available on their website. Um, blends that will help you think, uh, blends that will help you defend and build up your immune system, um, adaptogens that will help you chill out and relieve some of the stress of day-to-day life, especially this day and age. Um, Four Sigmatic has a lot of educational content on their website as well. If you click on their learn tab up top, they actually have something called the Mushroom Academy, which is very helpful. Uh, It's where I learned about the different fungi, mushrooms, and what they do specifically. Personally, I'm a big fan of their Think Blend or their Think Coffee Grinds with Lion's Mane and Chaga. really kind of sets my brain on fire when I'm sitting down to write or record or put something together for a project I'm working on. Um, They have all kinds of products from proteins to coffee blends to uh, extracts. Um, Check them out at foursigmatic.com. That's four spelled out, F O U R. S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com. If you use the promo code BETTERISM at checkout, you can save 10% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com. All righty. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. By now, I'm hoping you know who I am. I'm <laughs> we have Tace, uh, Tracy Lamore, uh, founder and uh, CEO was that the title of Lamore Media? It was CEO when it was Lamore PR, but now that we incorporated it's Lamore Media, but it's all good. I answered all of them. I'm the, the, the head honcho. The head way. honcho. Yeah, right. <laughs> the chief um, dishwasher or whatever they say, right? The bottle <laughs> washer. And, yeah. So I figured we would kind of start there and branch off, uh, talk about the uh the company where it started and how it's kind of evolved along the way so would you care to give a little brief overview before we start doing sure. the stuff yeah so it's um so yeah i'm a i'm a i'm like bio says i'm an international award-winning publicist working across borders and industries and that's pretty true so i work with everybody from celebrities to um you know creatives to authors and public speakers people with a message to get out to but the bulk of my business lately or at least 60 percent because of all the speaking i've been doing has been entrepreneurs uh and sometimes executives but really i'm loving working with entrepreneurs who are startups or building their name or building their brand but they don't really have a um they're head around the media component how you can get in the media Mm -hmm. earned media editorial as opposed to advertorial so where they're interviewing you as a thought leader as an expert in your field as opposed to you know you buying an ad so yeah so i'm i do i work in toronto based out of hamilton which is not far from from toronto canada i've been here for the last you know year and a bit through covid but if you were asking me in 2019 i might be in los angeles i could have been in washington i could have been in vegas i could have been malta jamaica i literally was on nine different trips for eight different projects uh, in five countries on four continents 
it. But then COVID put a big stop to the, the moving around. Yeah. And we've been, <laughs> we've been able to do, because um, cross-border traffic, is, I mean, it's just a nightmare right now, right? Too much worry yeah. on either end. And so I've been doing it all virtually, though. I have just as many clients in Hollywood as I do in Canada. I was literally featured last week in the Hollywood Times, which is no joke. It's a literally Excellent. 40, yeah, it's amazing. Like a 40-year-old magazine been out since 1981 in Beverly Hills with 500,000 readers. So now, you know, I've, it all, I'm just really proud of that one because I'm doing it all yeah. from Hamilton Mountain, not Hollywood Hills this year. <laughs> so that's what I do, though. I, so basically what I do is PR. Well, people don't really know what PR is. It's essentially publicity, not just for sports stars or for, you know, politicians who need to change their brand. It's not about that. It's about elevating and celebrating the awesome things that people are doing, whether it's creatives, celebrities, you know, people in business entrepreneurs with great ideas startups just shining a light on them so the world can know and they can by that you know that way advance their brands attract investors uh, attract more customers differentiate themselves from their competitors all that fun stuff be heard yeah right and that's part of the reason why i wanted to have you on is because you work um across many many genres i guess we mm -hmm. can call them it's not just like betterism i i tend to have a lot of like artists and creatives on here because i'm I'm a little biased, you know, that's, that's kind of like my life. Where so you started, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I started too. I had a lot, you know, I mean, from an activist in terms of work, but my, right. my socials, you know, yeah, like my whole life, same, you know, that was my, that's my crowd. I just couldn't sing or anything. I wasn't able to paint, right. <laughs> but that's but my crowd. Help. Yeah, exactly. You got it. So where, I guess let's paint a little timeline here. Um, you had mentioned working in PR and then it kind of transferred and I guess the focus kind of went to media, but you know, nowadays it's almost one and the same. How long have you been, uh, you know, running uh, Lamore media? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. Cause yeah, I started my actual, so I started my, okay. I have to go back. I, let me start with where I learned to write a press release. So in yeah. 1998, when I was 28 years old, I'm 51 now. So when I, my husband, Dave Parkinson and I, we were just in entry level sales and mar you know, just like just your basic working for other people, jobs and coming mm -hmm. home and doing stuff we cared about after that. Mm -hmm. And we, we were activists and, you know, advocates and stuff, just activists because we were young and passionate. And right. we used to have a, a college radio show where we talked about things like anti-racism and so, you know, just whatever, social justice, whatever issues would draw our attention. And yeah. that, that show was no more anymore because the show had just, you know, we'd moved on. We were not there anymore. And, um, but it was the early days of the internet. So we were starting to do a web page and just learn what you could on, you know, Alta Vista and everything. Anyway, long story short, we became, we, we came to know about the case of a, a man named Jimmy Dennis, who was factually innocent. Now has been proven. He was released in 2017. But back then he was living on death row saying that he was innocent. And not many people were listening. We somehow became involved. And, you know, I learned basically long story short, I learned to write a press release. This is pro bono. We became involved as activists, never thought mm -hmm. about writing press release for money or anything. And um, I learned to write a press release for, you know, for Jimmy Dennis, ultimately for 19 years, my husband and I pro bono, you know, without any pay, not wanting any pay, ran a campaign that we called Justice for Jimmy to let the world know about him being innocent. A along the line there, some lawyers got involved that were looking for a case of factual innocence. Lawyers from Washington, D.C., looking across the country for a case of factual innocence. They found his case, got involved, ended up ultimately freeing him after, you know, uncovering all the truth and making it all known. Right. But that's how I learned to write a press release. And that's how I learned to get major media attention because we were wow. on CNN, MSNBC, Court TV, all kinds of stuff talking about that case and also like at 28 29 years old with no media experience talking about the, you know major issue like that stateside right yeah and then 
it took me another 10 years till I was 41, you know, before I literally had a light bulb moment where I thought, wait a minute. And, you know, in the meantime, I'd also written a press release for a friend that was running for politics and because I just knew how to do that. I never thought right. of making it a career. And then it literally hit me when I was 41. I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to sit here and make 50 calls an hour for something I don't care about anymore. <laughs> like literally, hi, this is Tracy calling from really, I don't care and neither do you. That was mm -hmm. my job all day long, right? Right, right? Until I was 41. So I could be, because I could do it from home so I could do all this other stuff at the same time. So it literally was a light bulb moment where I thought, no, wait a minute. I, you know, that whole media thing I do, like most people don't know how to do that. Hey, don't people like pay people? And that's when I literally thought, wait <laughs> a minute, I could be a publicist, huh? And then because it was the power of the internet, I just looked to find a, a you know, I, I figured it out and I found, you know, freelance sites within not right. too long. I had a, I just priced myself really low initially because I didn't even have any idea what I was doing, but I knew I could do this. Got a couple of clients, did a killer, you know, killer job and got good reviews and then ultimately raised my price a little, raised my price a little, had a freelance, you know, five-year freelance journey. And then finally everyone was like, wow, you got to you got to up your game. I, not incorporate that. I was scared of that, but just, you know, general partnership, business partnership. So we did that for five years. And, and meanwhile, I'm getting global contracts. I'm getting interviewed around the world. I'm kicking way above my weight as a local little tiny business. that's just a general partnership. So I finally listened to my business consultant last year, the year of COVID and incorporated. And it's been, you know, better than ever, ever since we've been managed to, we managed to pivot, even though it was scary at first because we had a lot of events and public speaking yeah, and right. travel. So we lost like 80% of that. But over about a month or two after that, I thought, no, if I lost 80%, I still have 20 sit back down do the work start watching tv and then ultimately reaching out and ended up getting a whole bunch more clients you know things that other things people needed to promote like a lot more authors and you know different people working in healthcare, not on the front lines and that kind of stuff but i mean like you know people who had small healthcare businesses sure, and, right. yeah or people work talking about mental health and you know all kinds of stuff like that so ended up being able to pivot now that's what we are right now so that's my job is to you know, basically do what I've done for my company, what I've done for me, elevate myself to the point where if you Google me, you'll see, you know, thousands of things come up, but 200 podcasts, 200, you know, like really my brand. And that's what I do yeah. for other people is find, just scour the world, scour the internet, find opportunities to get them on stages, you know, to win awards get them you know speaking engagements to get them interviewed by i mean i've had clients interviewed in the last year or two by ever, i mean lots of things but including the new yorker new york times readers digest oh, wow yeah good housekeeping i mean the list goes on so we're talking and you know the huffington post everything from big to small and that's how we get you out there and build your brand so that and why do you do that? And when I say brand, it could be you as a creative. It could be your brand as an artist. I'm using that language, but we sure. mean that in the internet, the online, meaning people who search your name, they find you. You know, it's not when they search your name, it shouldn't be just your web page and your socials that they find. No matter what you're doing, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, it should be outside of that. There should be, you know, what? Because why? Well, if you were in business, it attracts investors. If you're in entertainment, it attracts fans or investors. Some you need a sponsor, you know, mm -hmm. to do tour. And if they look and search your name, and all they see is your stuff, or you know, your great deck about why you're awesome, that's great. Everyone can do that with a good graphic designer and a writer, you know. Right. But if they search and they find 15 things where other people People are talking about you and you're quoted in this and you're, you know, that's where they're like, oh, that differentiates you from the next guy, opens wallets, makes fans pay attention, all yeah. that important stuff that builds your career. 
Um, or get there's a lot there. Out. I want to, yeah. I want to dig in a little bit. There's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack and we can come back to a lot of that. Um, the, I want to start off though. You, you had mentioned how you kind of collected all of these skill sets prior to even like listing the company as a company, right. You yeah, were kind of doing before. these things like, yeah. right. So, so along the course, I guess, of either your, your childhood, your schooling, um, your previous careers, what, what skills did you specifically kind of take and, and utilize in order to do this kind of stuff. You started with like activism and things like that, but then you eventually branched off into like the business side of it. Yeah. A lot later. Well, yeah, I would say in terms of the skill set, you know, what, what do you need? So I've always been a writer, you know, in terms of like, even, you know, like I wrote for the school newspaper, right. <laughs> you know, like I, I wanted to write for the local town newspaper and I ultimately for one year I did about school stuff. And so I always knew words. So you need num number one, like PR is basically communications and eventually contacts, but nobody starts with all the contacts, right? Yeah. So it's communication. Yeah. Number one, the ability and I guess strategy. You need to be strategic. You need to, un and a little psychology. You need to, not to spin people, but mm -hmm. you need to understand your audience. So you know, you know, like, you know, you don't talk to a sports audience the way you talk to an audience of housewives, you know, or yeah, cooking sure, people. Right. Or, I mean, it's just a different, like, even if you're talking about the same topic, right? You're approaching things differently or your message is different. Like if I have one, the same company or the same client speaker, but then I'm, you know, they may be appropriate for all kinds of different audiences. My message to those different audiences is going to be a bit different. So that's mm -hmm. the pitch. That's where you know your audience, whether it's the news room you have to know what the newsroom is looking for specifically so you're not wasting the editor's time so the next time he sees your email he doesn't just automatically not open it you know right, right, right. so you have to know your stuff so yeah so that you have to and, and confidence i mean but where did i learn but i, I was always a writer mm. i was always pretty confident you know or at least i was comfortable with my insecurities you know what i mean like i didn't let yeah, nothing right. stop me I, i'm not one of those people that's going to sit around the corner waiting for someone to let me do something you know, mm -hmm. I learned to just do it. So though that that was probably the biggest thing to my success. I'm good at what I do, and I wasn't afraid to be like, okay, hey, I'm at the table. One of my first clients, by by chance, maybe part of what gave me the confidence was, but I'm this, but I mean, if I hadn't met her, you know, I think I would have still, you know, it would have taken a bit longer. But just by virtue of doing something well, you should have confidence in what you're doing. But one of my first clients, when I was a freelancer, just by chance on a freelance set, ended up being Angela, Professor Angela Sadler Williamson, who's still with me today. And she is the cousin of civil rights legend Rosa Parks, like American history oh. legend Rosa Parks, right? And she was writing a book. I was like, wow. You know, she was, she was writing a book. I'm sorry, at the time it was a film, My Life with Rosie, which became an award winning film that is now on Amazon Prime about Rosa Parks um, next 30 years of life after we what we know what we know her for right the, yeah uh, right how she continued to be an activist for the next 30 years and such and uh, yeah so when when we did really well publicizing that and she put me in the credits of her book and I mean obviously now I'm in the game I'm not just you know this is for real now yeah right. and so I just kept on going and you know again I'm strategic and I do I did without ever been trained to do this, what I do for my clients now, which is make sure that every, you know, every, um, thing, you know, like every, obviously everything goes in the bio and I'll, I look for every other opportunity. So if a client wins an award, I'm going to put, now they're an award winning what internationally quoted. Now I'm going to go find more media opportunities to amplify them and introduce them as that. Oh, now they're an international, like me, the international award winning Right, like that. I wasn't that mm -hmm. five years ago. I am that now, and then I add to that every every single day, and so you keep on going. And 
keep on showing the world what you're doing, which some people are afraid to do. And they think that's bragging or arrogance. It's not. There's a big difference between confidence and showing confidence, which is attractive and friendly. And as my friend Anne-Marie has a smile where arrogance has a, has a um, smirk good way to put it right mm-hmm. arrogance has a great. smirk confidence has a smile i got that from Anne marie fisher and and that's what I, I was you know we were talking about that one day and she kind of encapsulated perfectly what i was saying which is you know when your friend's happy about something hey look what i just did unless you're like you know a bit off you don't feel bad about that you don't feel you're celebrating with them it'd be different if they came in and they had an attitude like oh well you know oh well, i'm superior it's not about you know so you don't have to be afraid to show the world you should show the world in fact that makes more people you know more confident to show their own selves so yeah right that that well it's that you know the contact confidence where it kind of like they recognize that you're authentic in it and you're not just trying to blow smoke up someone's ass you know and that kind of like rubs off on your your community your network exactly it really does you had mentioned to um you know, not starting off with a, a network, but then, you know, uh, obviously as your, your business or your, your brand grows, you acquire those things. What was it like for you trying to get that side set up? Like starting with, you know, nothing but the skills, but then eventually landing these, these big name legendary contracts. Like how did you work your way up that ladder? Literally, luckily, because of the internet, because, you know, when I first had the brainstorm, wait a minute, literally, sit, I was literally sitting in front of the computer and about to make my next 25 calls, right? When I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, no, no, no. And honestly, the way I remembered, I didn't, I might have finished out that hour, but the way I remembered, I didn't ever make any more calls after that. It was literally like, because I was working from home on that and I kind of just stopped doing that open up the internet, gee, how would I, you know, how would I do this? And started looking, I'm lucky I got this, the word freelance came into my mind because once I searched freelance, I got these sites, you know, like Upwork and FreeCycle or Freelance. I don't remember them now, but back then that was literally what I, um, what I, you know, what I had done was I, I went to, I think it was Upwork. It was called Elance back then. And you literally put your best little pitch forward and put your price on and compete with the whole world for the jobs. And some people are looking you know, to pay really low, like non-North American prices. Other people are specifically looking for workers in North America. They're just looking for the convenience of sure. doing it that way. So those are the ones I looked for. And I priced myself low, not stupid low, not like pennies low, but I mean like lower side of North American prices. And then I rocked it, did really well, got amazing references, you know, for like six months, made like $7,000 part-time on Upwork, you know? And then um, I guess maybe I did do a few other calls, but I must've had something to transition me when I was, you know, doing the part-time on Upwork. But anyway, ultimately I was like, okay. And then I stopped doing the Elance or Upwork or whatever. I've actually recently gone back a bit, a bit now and found a few fun projects on it just because I'd gone in there. <laughs> I, I, 90% of my work is, is, uh, re, is uh, referral and, and yeah. um, repeat business. So I'm even very rarely looking for anything. And if I do, I would look on LinkedIn and just say, Hey, what are you doing now? Cause I have amazingly connected people there. But what happened is someone, told me that my old profile literally from nine, from 10 years ago was still up on Elance. I was like, oh my God. And I went back and looked at it. It wasn't active, but when I went and pulled it up, if someone was like searching my name, looking for it, it would come up. Yeah. And I was laughing and going, oh my God, I got to go in there and correct that because it was literally from when I started that like, you know, I made that profile the day after I was a telemarketer, you know? Yeah, so in right. my head, I'm still like telemarketer prices plus $10. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and now I'm looking like what? Oh my God! No one's hiring me at that price. I better delete right. that because they are not. I'm sorry, but I've definitely moved past that entry. You know, like yeah, right, exactly. So, so I went in and I revamped it just because I thought, oh well, it's there. Who knows? Maybe I could use this if someone sees it. And there, because originally that's where I met Rosa Parks' cousin, and I got oh, one of okay. my first clients there. So I was actually had met originally some really big name people but then as my business grew i just didn't need it anymore and i kind of left it behind not not consciously but i just forgot about it right mm -hmm. so when i went back in to correct up you know to delete and or i just ended up correcting my bio because i clicked on some of the posts i thought actually huh, i wouldn't mind. i mean i haven't worked on this platform for a long time it's not really my process anymore <laughs> and i have a corporation now and this wouldn't be the corporation but why not i'll put myself there again you know as a freelancer maybe i'll see a really cool project i'll do on the side separate from my business and so 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 far i signed up with two little projects that ended up being really cool because they're innovators they just didn't, you know, they don't have a lot of money. So that's where they went to get there instead of looking for a publicist, right? Sure. And they're, they're innovators and disruptors, both in their spaces. And it was just like little contract, but I managed to do a whole lot. They were like, wow, I went bang, bang, bang because of who I am and how I'm connected. Right. And because they were good stories and I was able to just like, just literally spend an hour and like less than an hour and get one of the guys, he had like, he wanted five, po he wanted 10 podcasts by the end of this year, 10 podcast interviews. I'm like, dude, okay. I've done 180 myself in the last like six months. I, got I, can, you. <laughs> I can just call some of those podcasts also be like, hey, how about this guy? You know what I mean? Right, so he's right. like set a mile. So he's like, okay, you know, however much money for five of them. And I'm like, yeah, that'll, I knew in my head, I'm, that will literally take me 10 minutes. So I charged him really low, right? But mm -hmm. he had set it for like two weeks away. I come back 10 minutes later, I'm like, okay, I've got six, the ask was for five podcasts. I came back and I've got, I've got six high profile podcasts for you, plus two articles. <laughs> and then I'm like, and also because I sent it out to so many of my contacts, additionally, I now have nine more waiting in line that also want to interview you. So if you want to do that again, he's like, so he had a goal for this year of 20. Yeah. And I literally just gave him like six and then nine plus two interviews. Right. In well, like, the, you know, the day. that's the, the power of the, that network. It really like, if you set it up right, and it sounds like this is exactly what you did, but if you, if you organize it and create that system, it almost sets it up. So when it is in place, it runs itself. You don't need to kind of continually go back and Well, it gets easier it. and easier. Like I've said, it, it's, right. it's, you know, me, I still have to go back and make the connection, but I'm sure there'd be more way to automate it eventually. But, um, but still it's, uh, it's not much work. Like, absolutely. Right. I, I say to clients all the time, my job gets easier and easier because sometimes literally in an accidental call, I'll be on, I'll make, I'll end up making like, like a game changing deal. Like for example, the other day I had um, one of my clients who's a startup and, you know, for different circumstances, but they're going really, really good. They won awards and they're getting all kinds of medias and things are going really well in that regard. But, you know, any startups have hiccups and issues here and there. They've also got some funding and things are good, like different things are really good, sure. but everybody has an issue. Anyway, so right when they were having a, you know, challenging week, I just happened to, uh, it was uh, funnily that I was interviewed by on some random podcast in California. And it wasn't even one I was super excited about because it was just sort of like a talk one. It didn't have a, a real mission, you know, that I could mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. it's just sort of like mm-hmm. talk. I was like, oh, okay. yeah, right. And I'll do it. Um, so, so I thought it was really generic. You know what I mean? But I did it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, right after that, a celebrity reporter named Jules Lavalley, literally celebrity reporter, said she heard me. Yeah. She wants to put me in Formidable Women magazine. So we do that interview, and then she said, "Oh, I'm going to also interview you." When she when she learned what I do more, she said, "I want to interview for Hollywood Times." So she's the one who interviewed me for Hollywood Times. Even more importantly than that, she connected me with. Um, she said, oh, because of I told her the story of this one startup I'm mentioning to you briefly here. And she said, oh, wow, I have somebody who's a talent agent in Hollywood, which has nothing to do with what we needed, but that's just, she's a power player, you know? Mm-hmm. And in her other part-time thing that she does for her passion that coincides with the thing your client does, I'm going to connect you guys. We end up connecting, and this power Hollywood, literally, she like a celebrity talent agent. Within a 10-minute call, she's so excited about what my client's doing. She's like, you know what? We're gonna, when we tell her we're gonna thinking about launching it in states soon, first thing she's like, you know what? Yeah, we're doing this. We're gonna um, we're gonna have a hall. We're gonna have a party, a launch party in Los Angeles. I know the perfect place is Castle in Malibu. She's like doing the legwork and celebrities. She's telling us she's like literally just got excited in ten minutes and connected us with like three billion dollar or million dollar people that could either be investors or take this further 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 you know what i mean and right, and now right. we have a hollywood launch party which is going to get major media and she's also a publicist stateside who has contacts that so literally out of a two-minute call who knows what financial dollar result will come for that client and plus that you know international publicity right you know well, and then, again the network i mean that, the value of that sometimes it might seem like a waste of time because it, oh, it's only three minutes. Like I'm just going to skip over this thing, but you yeah, know, you don't, you don't know where it's going to go. I mean, that's exactly. the seed you're planting and you have to kind of like, you know, acknowledge that. Like if you're going to pass on something, like you don't really know where that can take you. You really don't <laughs> like seriously. And how do then, you, yeah. how do you make those decisions on, on like what opportunities to kind of like take advantage of and which ones to kind of ignore? Or are you the type of person that just kind of anything that comes in front of you, try to see what's. Well, it's hard. I mean, my, my, I'm so scheduled now and so in demand and so. Yeah. Becoming. Right. And one time I was more like, well, Hey, let's try anything that comes my way. You know what I mean? Like jump on it, like hungry, you know? Yeah, and when now, you're younger, earlier you're young, on in the career, right? Yeah, and now obviously I don't have the. T- I mean, I don't have that kind of hunger anymore, and I don't have that. But but because of my role as a publicist, I still have to actively be like that, even sure. if I didn't need it for me, because all those clients behind me need it, you know. And I never yeah, know right. what door will open for one of those thirty people that I can then pull the other, you know, others in as well. Right, right. Um, you had mentioned earlier, and I kind of want I put a pin in this. I kind of wanted to come back to it. Um. <laughs> And I guess it's kind of related, but um, it's all related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's all part of the uh, part of the business. Um, how has COVID affected this? I mean, I know you had mentioned you transferred yeah. from like traveling to now mostly virtual. Um, well, I mean, I always, imagine that's yeah, the was obvious always, one, but what well, else? I, mean, I, well, I, mean, I was. Yeah, I was already doing a lot of virtual. I mean, I started it on a virtual, right? It wasn't until right. like 2018, 2019, the people that it was so in demand for big things where people are like, no, I need you in Malta. I need you in Jamaica. I need you in, you know. So right. that was a newer thing. So it was, I would say it was always probably, you know, 70, even in the big, busiest year would be like 
you know, 65% virtual and 35% crazy VIP parties mm -hmm. and travel, right? So I always had that virtual component. So that part wasn't a real transition. Uh, loss of palm trees is a huge transition. That was really sad, but I mean, you know, cry <laughs> me a river, right? I mean, but I mean, in turn, but it, originally though, in March, it was scary because 80% of our business about, about was, you know, a hard stop because we had a lot of artists, musicians. Yeah, right. I still have them with me, but they were limited with what stuff we can do. I put most of them on snooze with their payments or very little because I'm not, we're not doing the big active things that we can, sure. you know, so I do, I find opportunities for them where we can, but like, I'm not pitching them to stages because there's not a lot of stages. We're not, there's no Grammys yeah. to be sitting at. There's no, you know, so yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, public speakers, all that stuff. We were supposed to be, my husband and I on a reality TV show ourselves last year year going through from in june traveling on a bus with like bands six different bands oh, cool. yeah it was pretty it was gonna be pretty cool all on the west coast so that was a, a disappointment that that didn't happen and may again yeah. you know when things open up but yeah so all that stuff was a hard stop so at first i was literally like like everybody else staring at the tv screen freaking out watching every prime minister president governor whoever leader in the world yeah, what the right. heck is going on just in the days like uh Literally for like two weeks, just literally tuning into all of the, oh, oh, this the prime minister's going to talk at two. Oh, president's going to talk at three. Oh, you know what I mean? Like until it all got too stupid and ridiculous and oh, man. So anyway, but then I actually was thinking, well, if I, if I'm, you know, if I'm freaking out, I'm not working. If I'm not working, I'm not, you know, making money and I'm not, mm -hmm. can't be complaining about how oh, there's nothing to do. So I just went back to my desk. And I, you know, rallied the troops, all the clients that could still do stuff and, you know, contacted authors and said, hey, listen, now's the time. People can't watch Netflix all day. <laughs> you know, true. maybe get your book out and talk about if you're an expert, let's get out there about what you're talking about. <clears throat> and then, I mean, it actually, within about a month of that, like, you know, then the world started picking up, I guess, because other people started doing that too. Even mm -hmm. if their things had stopped, now they have to find other things to do, right? So whatever those other things were they wanted to promote. Right, sure. So people who did have, you know, anything going on that they were putting money into because now they can't work or they can't do this if they weren't, like, just struggling like a lot of people are just to survive. I've been lucky that I still had a client base, you know, and sometimes right, right. some of my client base is struggling and some of them, I, like I said, I've been giving discounts or I'll long-term clients have not been able to pay and I've said, and they've said, oh, I guess, you know, I guess we have to stop for now you know, I'll come back to you in the summer. And I've said, that's fine. You know, I'm not going to be doing all the same hours a week I was, but if I see opportunities, I'm still going to put time in and make sure they don't miss those really big opportunities because we have a long committed relationship. Right. So, right. yeah. So there's still opportunities out there and I'm a go-getter and I'm strategic and that's why I'm good at what I do. So I just thought, no, I can, you know, balance this too. And then what it's taught me ultimately is, you know, even an international pandemic can't shut my game down. <laughs> you yeah, know, right, I, I right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where I was going to go with this is like, what, what did you have to learn in order to make those adjustments? Um, whether it has to be little things like just managing your day-to-day -day schedule or specific things and like what kinds of PR you're doing for specific yeah. clients. Um, I don't think the kind of PR changed so much, but what did change is um, the managing the day is a good part, a good way to put it because um, I, I, and I don't even know that I did this so consciously, but this actually just probably ha happened 
because I work globally, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I anywhere where there's an English speaking, like on LinkedIn, I'm meeting people from all over the world. Now on Upwork, I meet people from all over the world, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter to me where the client is. But what I think helped me now that I look back on it, really ride this out is that I have clients literally around the world. So I know it's been a global pandemic. So that's why I'm laughing going, even a global pandemic can't shut me down. Because <laughs> normally I've been saying, you know, like I'm not specific to any area. Right. Right. So if an area, all of a sudden an area is devastated, that's not going to mess with my business model, you know? Right. Exactly. Like even my whole area, you know, if, if all the business people in my area suddenly couldn't do anything, I would still be able to survive because the rest of the world is still my you know game as well. Mm-hmm. And also even stronger than that. Right. So I'm also not specific to any um, industry. So a whole industry can shut down. Or go away, or you know, I've right. all my clients from one industry disappear, and it would just get free up me a couple of more hours a week to put in more people. Right, like that's literally all that would happen. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've been really like, but now global pandemic. I mean, now we're all affected everywhere in the world. It's not different, but you know, there's still what I've discovered because I was all panicking, going, "Oh my god, this is everywhere." Well, you know what? I, here's something I've learned. You know, the, the and this is maybe a mindset thing that answers your question. Good, like, yeah, please valuable to people, right? to everybody, no matter what you do and like understand this and believe it. And I'm not saying this because I have a lot of money because sometimes money is flowing here and I'm great and I'm spending it like crazy for the month. Other times I'm worried about the mortgage, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's the nature of being an entrepreneur and I, I haven't yet made my first million, but ask me by the end of this year, I got plans. I'm not joking, but, <laughs> but um, I'm excited, but here's the mindset thing, right? It's like, you know, there is a lot of money out there and even right now, even during a global pandemic, there is money out there. And there are people in your industry who do what you do, who manage to take a, get a piece of it. Not by stepping over people, because I'm always like people before profits. People, mm-hmm. we always say people, I come from activism. So I'll be like, people are your bottom line, people. Yes, right. <laughs> because in the end, and I, I mean, really, you're not making any profits without people anyway. It's not why mm-hmm. I'm saying that, but it's true. Even if you're super profit minded, who's opening their wallets? People. Who's working for you? People. If you don't have the people component down, you're, you're not going to get the other components down. So care about the people. The rest will take care of itself is important. But, it, but in terms of your mindset as an entrepreneur, Never realize there are people like there is money out there on the table there is money to be accessed and i've heard this in different ways recently one was like that that you know hollywood power woman that i just mentioned she was talking to my startup persons and she was saying the same thing we've been going through a hard time but she was like no you don't realize how much money there is actually out on the table out there out on the table where people want to give it to startups, to businesses, to, or, or like if you're a startup or if you're a, a, an entrepreneur and that includes creatives because creatives are entrepreneurs. They're mm-hmm. solopreneurs like I was when I started, you know, that's your mm-hmm. little business. You're that you're running a business. You're not just on stage. You're, doing all the stuff to get yourself on stage and you're making sure you're paid and you're doing the negotiations yeah. and the man. So when we talk about that solopreneur, that's also the creative, right? So realize there's money out there. There's, there's any single job. There's somebody out there who's getting paid well, you know, to do whatever you're trying to do. So it's, a, how do you get some of it? A, you have to show up. You've got to let make people know, have to know that you're out there. And they have to get excited about you. That's what what I do is so important. You know, I didn't even mean to turn it around to an ad for PR there, but that actually is like you actually <laughs> it's have true. to. It's true because, but even even without the PR, like I'm not saying hire someone, but just think about in that way. You have to show up to things. So that what does that mean? It means you have to not be afraid. 
to put yourself out there to say, Hey, I'm this person. This is what I do. Like, I don't, and I will, I'm the same, you know, somebody that I don't know who it is messages me now and say, Hey, I heard you on a podcast and I want to talk to you about PR. I'm just going to be as excited and genuine when I talk to them, like you, you know, about what I'm doing as, as when I get a message, this happens all the time, you know, from a Beverly Hills phone number and they want me to call them back and it's a high profile thing where they're name dropping this person or that person, you know? Right. It's the same thing, you know. I, I don't. I'm not more intimidated by that. I'm not scared to pick up that. Like the other day, I had to call a major, major player in American music. Not even a celebrity. I'm talking about like more important than that. The guys right. who can celebrities that could make three of my clients could all their dreams come true on a dime. You know. Yeah. So I should be nervous about that. Supposedly, people are like, "Good luck, break a leg," and I was like, "Oh." Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I should be thinking like that. <laughs> Am I supposed I was, to be nervous? <laughs> right? All I was thinking, and I'm not being arrogant. I just think what I have to, to say is important or I wouldn't be saying it. You know? No, for sure. So, well, like, is, okay, look, yeah. look. This is why this is why I want to get you on the show, not only because of your resume, but the attitude towards this. There's three things that I want to point out for listeners, and feel free to expand on these. Mm-hmm. Number one is the the people first, right? Putting putting the human being before anything else because that's ultimately what all of us are number two is the confidence piece that piece is huge and a lot of people struggle building that without letting their ego take control yeah um and the third piece of that is the authenticity and that has come up on the on this podcast several times with many different guests in many different forms but the authentic piece of all of this really really drives home right people have this uh, Most consumers are able to tell whether or not they can express it, but they're able to tell whether something is BS or it's true. Yeah. You know, so are are not, it's not the fifties where, you know, as seen on TV, like you buy an ad and everyone's impressed. It's the opposite. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. So how, how do those, how do you approach those three angles in this day and age, in the age of technology and social media and just essentially virtual life? Cause that's, what a lot of this is right now. Yeah. I think what happens too, and this might sound weird coming from a publicist because you might think that I'm all about packaging a public image or something that people think a publicist is about. I mean, that's not what I'm about though. I, you know, celebrities, that's what, if somebody's, if, if a management company is doing that with a celebrity and needs a publicist to come and push it, sure, we can do that, no problem, right? But right. that's not what I counsel people. This, what I counsel people is like, it's, you are awesome. You, like literally that genuine, that piece, that authenticity is what makes your brand. Like I'm the fat girl with the crazy red, bright red hair. I, I couldn't, you know, like if I was 21 years old going into an office like I was, people would say, oh, yeah, you should dye your hair. I'm like, nah, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'd find other mm-hmm. way. You know what I mean? So it, right, right. I'm not saying I'm not counting you to do that, but I'm just saying those were barriers. Some people have skin color barriers or whatever barriers that are harder to pass up. But you know what? Even even with that. You, the only way to get past it's not as easy when it's like your skin, you know, when you're when you're being put down because of your skin color or whatever other barrier. Yeah. It's not as easy to. It's not just mindset. However, there is still a mindset component because if you allow that to crush you, like you allow anything to crush you, it will crush you. Whereas if you're like, you know what. I'm going to, that's not going to stop me from walking into the next room and showing them what I can do and being like, you know what I mean? You have to always be like 
leave the assholes behind you, excuse my language, and be like, no, I'm good at this. I'm what I know. And, and realize that you, you actually are bringing something to the table too. Yes. But you have to have that confidence in yourself. It's not fake it till you make it. I don't counsel fake it till you make it. You know, it's be, it's, I like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Don't dream it, be it. It's a line from a song. Yes. So that's what I like. When people say fake, so you know, no, you're not faking it. Because again, if you're faking it, you're, you're thinking, what is a person in that position should be like? What are people expecting? And then you're trying to be that. I guess that might work, but don't. Number one, it sounds exhausting. Number yeah. two, it's fake and phony, right? I, I literally, you know, just be genuine. And that's the way, I mean, A, your vibe will attract your tribe. In business, it's fine. Like people, I don't hear from the people who decide not to work with me because they don't like me. I don't hear from them. I hear from all the other ones who do want to work. Right. And that will be the same with you. And I, I was counseling a, a potential client the other day. He was like, I don't really know what to do with PR because I have two parts of me. I have like, I'm an entrepreneur with advising people on this and this. He goes, and then also there's a spiritual side where I've written this book on this. And I also want to talk about that, but I don't want to confuse people. How, which can I do? Can I do both? How do I do it without messing up my brands? Like, and I was, like I was like stop stop this is a person I don't even know I said stop it you're not being genuine he's like what I'm like stop it right there like what do you think about what you're asking you're like how should I present myself which am I going to confuse them with these different personas and he was like and I was like I'm not like what you, you you are only one person when you get up on the stage you know, no matter what stage you're on, you know, you're going to be talking about different things. Just like in life, you might talk about something different here or, you know what I mean? Wear a different suit mm -hmm. there that day or whatever. But every, like, no matter who you are, what stage you are, what audience you're in front of, that person they see is a human being named, you know, Tracy Lamori or whatever his name was, right? Mm -hmm. And you are all of those things. You are, it's like me getting up there. It's very hard for me to get up there. And I could get up there and discipline myself to just tell my business story and never mention Jimmy Dennis, how I first read a press release about a guy who was innocent on death row. I could make up a business story without lying that wouldn't include that information. I could just right. say, I wrote my first press release, you know, you know, in, in doing activist work. And if you ask me what, I could just be like, oh, all kinds of different advocacy campaigns, you know, anti-racism, justice stuff, all that kind of stuff, you know. And then I right. could just say, and then I became, so it could be a 30 second thing where I don't, and I don't talk about that to brag, but because it's an intrinsic part of who I am, why I, I became, like, if I don't tell that story, I'm an award-winning publicist that can still give you good information. But you know what? You miss all the heart stuff. You miss the mindset. You miss how I should never have been able to do this. How yeah. I should be at VIP parties and at Hollywood tables. I didn't right. go to school for this. Again, I'm the, you know, like, <laughs> crazy poppy red hair, dyed hair, punk color at 51 still, red, <laughs> you know, like, but now it doesn't matter. Now it's my brand. Now I'm known for that. Now it's, oh, the girl, you know, Tracy, you know, red, right? Red, red hair and the red right. clothes. And the, so now that's a plus and a branding thing that I never even planned. See how I just fell into all this? Like, I, yeah. I was made for it, friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and again, this is why I wanted to have you on is the, the, the mindset behind what it is you are doing and how you're running your business. It's, it's unusual in that realm. Like a lot of times, you know, PR specialists kind of try to focus on like, well, you gotta, you gotta paint this picture for your, your brand, right. You gotta, yeah. you gotta be fake and like do this thing. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you approach something like brand maintenance? I mean, you even mentioned it too, about how, you know, you had to go back to that old website, the old freelance, yeah. or the Elance, and you had to kind of like shape it. How do you, what advice do you have for somebody looking to maintain their brand and, 
and keep it up and modern and go back and look at those old things, but also come back to the new things and kind of find that balance in a way that's not fake in a way that's real. Yeah. I just say, you know, you know, I mean, in terms of they're not fake, I mean, be, you, and I know when people listen to this and they just don't get it because some people are, I mean, they, they're not really that comfortable in their own skin, I've realized anyway, you know, mm-hmm. even in their personal life, right? They're not necessarily that comfortable when they walk into a room and they're nervous about this and that. So when you're talking about in business where it's really important to them to be, you know, professional or whatever, like, some people, they just don't understand what we're saying here or they really can't get their head around how they would how they would apply it, you know? And so that's where it really comes down to, again, honestly, you have to have that confidence in yourself. Like if you're in business, look at it this way. Like you have to understand you are an expert. Like I say to people, why aren't you getting featured in media? And they're like, oh, me, why would I? And I'm like, well, of course, certainly, certainly you're an expert. You wouldn't be taking people's money you wouldn't put up a shingle what you're doing, taking people's money for right. what you're doing. You're an entrepreneur, right? So clearly you're an expert and you're such an expert. You're like doing it on your own and you're out there confidently, you know, making your own path. You wouldn't. Be, and when I put it, when I frame it like that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because I'm like, well, you're not a scam. So clearly you're an expert. They're like, you know, well, yeah, obviously, obviously I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Exactly. So now share that knowledge because people don't know what you're doing. And so number one, when you share it, you have information of value. You know, you don't know who's going to benefit from it. But also now you're seen and heard, which is a what advertising does that a little bit, right? Like people Mm -hmm. can hear about you and go look. But it it doesn't give you the gravitas, the authority, the, the, um, you know, that – as seen on TV isn't as seen on TV anymore. Like now that's like advertising. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the real as seen on TV, which was, you know, when you're in the news, what you can't buy when someone's interviewing you as an expert or on a podcast where I can't pay my way into, you know, like I don't appear on, there's a couple podcasts out there where you can pay for, even if it's, you know, $20 or something for maintenance. I don't put my clients on those and I don't go on those ever because yeah, right. that cheapens the brand because we, we have information that is, I mean, I get, I'm not dissing them. I mean, fine they have a oh, they're, sure, doing, of course. they're doing a different thing you know what i mean they're providing a platform for people who may otherwise wouldn't it's advertising basically right, they're right. doing like a glorified advertising right so it's right. a hybrid but like i don't do that because what we're doing is we're like providing content we're providing excellent content for the audiences and the and we get the brand you know we get the benefit of that that's the same thing as you do when you're quoted in reader's digest etc it's not an ad you're not getting a big three paragraph ad about your company you're getting a paragraph or two where you're talking about whatever you're an interest uh, an expert in and then they're saying you know said tracy of lamori media it's not mm-hmm. saying oh lamori media is the very best media company if you need any help you should come to lamori media said tracy of lamori media that would be an ad wouldn't be yeah, an right ad, exactly digest, right <laughs> so that's the difference that people have trouble understanding the difference between advertorial and editorial again, which is where, what's the key to getting you, yourself in the newsroom is the opposite of what you, you know, you're probably thinking, right. Thinking about that initial story. So how do you, how do you apply this, uh, this framework across multiple genres? I've been calling them, but like what, I mean, how does that shift from like, say, you know, a musician who's trying to like get, you know, stage time or put out an album versus somebody like an entrepreneur who's trying to build a startup. Is, is that, is there me, any kind of like 
bleed over there? Um, yeah, to me, they all start the same. They all start with an individual person. Like, I don't deal with, I don't like, uh, we're not talking here about the big corporate projects, which I do yeah. sometimes, but they're a different thing. That's literally more about branding a thing, right? Right, right. A, a thing, like a, a entity. But I, I, that's why I don't really love those, <laughs> you know? So Man, what I like is small, medium-sized business or creatives or celebrities. Why, why to me, are those all equally fun? Like, why do I literally have as much fun with a startup or or an entrepreneur with a good idea as I literally do with a celebrity. You know, or, or I mean a celebrity who's already established is a different is a different kind of fun. So let's let's take the already established celebrity out of it because we're not building something there, we're maintaining it, right? right. So but let's talk about building. So the 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 creative, the musician, the pre-celebrity musician, the pre-celebrity actor, you know, the one who's on that path but hasn't made their name yet, mm -hmm. is the same to me as the um entrepreneur. They're both an expert in something, they're both um uh, expert slash, uh, you know, industry folks, someone that should be recognized. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. for whatever mm -hmm. reason. So the, it's a human, it's a person that needs to be recognized for their accomplishments. That's what, that, that's what I'm looking at. So who is this person? Yeah. So number one, from my perspective, I'm starting with their bio, who they were, what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing now, and then what they're doing. And if they're an entrepreneur building a brand, that's what we talk about now. What, what are you doing now? And tell me about your brand now. Because my job isn't to sell your book or your widget. That's what your sales and marketing department is for. My job is to sell you as an expert so that when, and build your credibility. So whenever you open your mouth, you can, you know, people buy your book and your widget or whatever, whatever, or, or your message or your, or listen to your, you know, your story about the innocent guy on death row or whatever. It's about building you as a credible person because all these other people have seen you as credible, right? So it's that social, right. they call it social credibility and stuff like that. And even better when I can make it New York Times or Reader's Digest or Good Housekeeping or those things that already have that verifiable, whatever attached to them. So mm -hmm. Yeah, so I begin the same way with everybody. Now I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to write an article about them and see where I can get a place. I'm going to get profiled about them. I'm going to create some buzz. I'm going to create some work out there where other people are talking about them, getting other people interviewing them, et cetera. And then obviously from there, the step two is different because they all have, they have different needs from there, right? Like the artist needs to get on more stages. So that's where I go into my contacts and connections in that world. And I, I mean, and also I'm a research maniac. I mean, that's part of my success too is part of it's all the glitz and people who i know the other part is i'm not afraid friend is i'll stay up till four in the morning like i'll have fun yeah right four in the morning i'm like at my computer all hunched over i don't want to, my husband's calling me to go to bed i don't like oh yeah 21 minutes because i don't know what i'm gonna find I'm finding really <laughs> good stuff here and then i'll you know what i mean so yeah. i find things opportunities for you know make and then i make con and then i'm good at making friends and contacts and connections because all that is is about not being intimidated by the guy no matter if he's a man you know head of this like when i had to call that rec big record company guy the other day i know they're always asked a million things so i told him about my artists and everything else and then you know after where well, he's calling about my artist but he started before he could start making all the oh we're not sure we'll get back to you and start to get in that role mm -hmm. i interrupted i'm like no no no, hold on i know i know the game i know how it's going <laughs> out i want you to tell me about what what you're doing right now for pr for your artist tell me about your artist and then he starts telling me what about there are what artists he's got and all that and i'm like oh because i haven't seen anything with that like look at i'm not i'm not pitching myself to get a job here i got not no, sure yeah. what i was trying to do is get my 
client to be noticed by this guy, right? And to have right. us us be on the top of his pile of like, but not in a fake or phony way. I, I said this without even thinking. I, I mean, I just said this because this is how you deal with people. You know, it wasn't like, ooh, if I go in and do this, I'm going to do this. It was more a natural thing. In the conversation, I understood what his needs were, right? Mm -hmm. And I suddenly realized I have a thing I can do in like 10 minutes that I do for my clients that I can do for his client that's going to make him go, wow, thank you so much. You didn't have to do that. And then next time he has an opportunity, I'm not saying he's going to go sign my client because of it, but maybe he'll have an opportunity to put her on a stage with, you know, Beyonce. And next time he has a chance to do something like that, he's going to remember me and that I, re you know what I mean? Yeah, it's right. Hey. So that's what it's about favors. It's not about like it's not like in a manipulative way, but that's how it is in the music industry, especially because everyone's always asked for everything. And especially once you get a certain name, everyone's always pulling at your hem, asking you, to, Oh, please, sir. Can I have a cup of your magic? You know, <laughs> I even get that too. And I'm right, not nowhere right. near there. So I know it's, it's not fun to be like that, that. That's not a good way to start a conversation just because as a human, it doesn't feel good to be on that side of it. Yeah. Well, again, it comes back to the putting putting the person first. And, exactly. You know, no matter I, who I, they are. Right. I have to keep coming back to that because I think that's important. And it's, you know, it's very easy, especially this day and age where you see everything on, online and Instagram and social media and everything everywhere anyway. But what advice do you have for somebody, whether they're in PR or not, but trying to avoid that, that, you know, the, the fanboy or fangirl starstruck, like, I don't know how to talk to this person because they're super yeah. famous and I'm a nobody. How do you, what advice do you have for somebody who's trying to improve themselves in that regard? <laughs> yeah. Here's what maybe my, I had a, that <laughs> you know, maybe that makes me think of a status. I literally posted the other day and I can't remember what made me cause different people just act weird with celebrities all the time. Yeah. Right? I can't remember what made me specifically post it, but I, it was something like, um, I'm just scrolling to see if I can find it. But it was it was basically something like, um, I just just so you, all you civilians know, you know, this is the way the celebrity ecosystem works. And I said it was something like, um, at all these events, you know, the the all the fans are trying to get the attention of you know of their favorite of the musicians or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like I talk about events like North by Northwest and all these, you know, like yeah. music. And I'm like the all the one. yeah, all the fans are trying to get the uh, the the attention of the celebrities, and all the musicians are trying to are, are like sniffing all around us, trying to like love up to the high profile publicists, <laughs> like because they know who gets them famous and how and who how continues they know what the game is the yeah. fans don't the fans are just like oh look at those magical artists ah oh, you know and the, <laughs> and the artists are like oh my god is that who you know like i'm gonna go talk to them and the artists are literally like slipping us their cards hey listen to my band you know can we meet that they're literally coming over to our table where all the pro you know, celeb, you know all the us, we're doing our thing just talking and hanging right. out and drinking wine and stuff and then I, when i was young at, at pr it was funny because when i started doing it, i was i had one friend that was like seeing me just literally rock the world on my own like, oh my god come. so she invited me to the first one to invite me to north by northwest and some of those big music things to bring me to the music pr side of things and i remember thinking that's hilarious like we were literally sitting there and that like just we weren't even paying attention to them because we're just industry hanging out sitting around talking having wine now right, right. and they're there to see and the musicians are there to be seen and be seen and you know make their connections and mm -hmm. get famous even if they are famous stay famous get more famous so they're like on us the way the fans are on them and people don't get that so that's what you have to understand it, the people that you're seeing on the stages the celebrities yeah they're hugely talented and, and amazing 
just like a lot of people in your local bar whose names you'll never hear and that you don't care about and that you're not impressed when you go and see. That's the same as the celebrities. The celebrities just had better publicists. So if you're going to be impressed, be impressed with us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's true. I always say that my husband, like I'm joking. My husband loves this new band now, Royal Blood. They're playing them all the time. Yeah. I don't know. You heard them? It's like, yeah, they're good. All of a sudden, my, my husband's 51. Like all of a sudden I'm laughing going, I haven't heard you fanboy. Like you, I know you love Bowie and all this, but like all of a sudden he loves this band to the point where he even bought, like he even ordered, he goes, I ordered this, the cassette tape or you have a cassette, like a, you know, like a fan, whatever thing, yeah. with a, a mask. And I'm laughing going, oh my God, you ordered their, you know, their like branding. Now you're going to wear it. I'm laughing. He's a publicist too. So he's laughing too. But then he said something about, um, Oh, hey, did you see this? Royal Blood is uh, doing a, um, not some kind of um, Roblox concert or something. And it's really neat. Look what they're doing. And I'm like, their publicist is awesome. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you keep telling me about all the work they're doing. Like, <laughs> all I know is you keep knowing about the work they're doing. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. You have like, you have the ability to kind of see through because you, you, you have the industry experience. So you can kind of see like what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And I like them. They're awesome. I mean, they're, they're a good band, but I'm just like laughing at him because I'm like, you got full fan boy. Like, I'm yeah, like right. until they hire us, I'm not wearing the mask. They, who's their publicist? <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, they're so doing a good too. job, though. So I'm not like the, the few people that I've had on the on the podcast who were like I, you know, I, I had them on the podcast for a specific reason, but I'm also a fan of their work and stuff. Uh -huh. You know, I've kind of had to fight that urge of like trying not. <laughs> trying not to fanboy all over them and trying to be like the podcast host, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like difficult to walk that line. Cause it's, you forget, you know, you see them on, on posters and on TV and stuff and you yeah, forget yeah. that like, they're a person too. They're a human. And you, you get know? used to it. Probably after you've done like 50 of them, you'll be like, yeah, yeah. whatever. It's probably just right. like repetition, you know, but I mean, it's still cool. Like, I mean, one of my good friends is Richard Pryor Jr., the son of Richard Pryor. Oh, right? that's awesome. And yeah, and he's also a performer and he's, you know, looks just like his dad too. And it's so funny because his name is Richard Pryor Jr. And it's yeah. so funny. And still every time like he likes one of my posts and I'm not a fan girl, you know, like he's a, literally a friend in real life. We've hung right. out, I've been in his hotel room, you know, he laughed when I fell on my ass, you know, like, great. But I, <laughs> have his phone number but it's still funny because richard pryor the name that i grew up with right so every time he likes one of them you know, richard pryor jr i'm always like well, what planet do i live on rosa parks cousin and richard pryor jr and like I literally i didn't go to school for any of this I, I i'm just a sales girl that was an activist okay like right. i don't even know what's going on anymore you know <laughs> and then the you know when i work with people and literally like one of my clients 40 years one of Canada's most famous broadcasters. I literally grew up watching him. He's only about 10 years older than me, but I mean, you know, that means a big, big difference when I was 15, when much music started or, you know, when it, it was mm -hmm. like MTV version of, of uh, like MTV here. It's a uh, fuse now, right? Isn't it called fuse now? Um, MTV shifted. I don't know. No, no, they, uh, much music. Cause I remember oh, watching that when I was a kid. Oh, you do. You had it there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. Cause I know they, you know, I, when they start, I remember the logo from the old days and I watched it religiously for like 15 years and I don't know anymore, but he, yeah. Steve Anthony's one of my clients and he was like one of the original VJs. He's like, Oh, uh, okay. Snoopy cool. Yeah. 24, whatever. So I literally yeah. grew up with him and, and other people that I'm talking to, I'll be, you know, like somebody literally called me the other day. He's hiring me this week and he's not a celebrity himself, but this is how common it is in my world. Like this, the, it's, he literally, call me and he's like we're talking about his book and everything and then he goes you know whoever i don't remember the guy's name now because i'm whatever because i don't i didn't know him but he goes you know whoever from corn the band corn i'm like yeah yeah then i said 
Oh no, I mean I don't mean personally because you know I, I do know a lot of people personally, right? So sometimes when people ask me, I think they like I was correcting myself. I was answering like a normal person saying, Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah, know yeah, porn. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> No, no, I don't mean personally, because I do know a lot of people. And then he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, okay. He's a good friend of mine. And so I was like, Oh, so we are having that conversation where personally, okay. You know, because <laughs> that's happened to me so many times. Like another time, a financer who, who a celebrity had referred me to a financer for another client. And uh -huh. I was talking to the financer, and the financer was like interested in hiring me for his client. And he said something like, and, Oh my God, I, I can't remember who, like it was something, somebody along the stat, like I don't remember whose artist, which artist it was now, but it was a, ma a major like hip hop artist, like a major one, not Jay-Z or, you know, Kanye, but somebody like right next level. Right. Mm -hmm. So that I would even know. And I don't follow that music. Like I don't really know mu new music for the last 10 years unless they hire me. Right. So, but anyway, this, this guy had said, do you know whoever's what, you know, blah, blah's wife, whoever. Oh, no, he said, you know, do you know whoever? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I've heard of him, right? right? And then they're like, and then he starts talking to me. Yeah, well, like, as though I knew, like, but he meant, do you know him? Like, because he, he thought, like, I mean, I'm in there because I was in their circle of friends, right? So he yeah, was right, talking, right. like, if we were talking, like, you know, you know Bob from school. Right. But I was answering like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. As you, know. A, you were answering as like a regular civilian, <laughs> I'm like, quote okay, unquote. Right? Oh, so we're talking about no, <laughs> I don't personally know that person, but I know their friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What kind of conversation are we having? <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 That's got to be such a tough line to walk too. Like you know, because yeah. there's there's time and place where you want to name drop, and then there's times where you don't. You Man, know? <laughs> I try not to tell my stories because honestly, like once in a while, I'll be in like genuine conversation with someone, and you know, something will actually come up from my life, like part of the conversation, right? Yeah. And the person will be an intrinsic part of the story, and I'll start to tell it, and then I'll be like, I'll almost catch myself and want to stop telling the story. It's the opposite. <laughs> wanted to name drop because i've um you know I, we've all met people in our lives i met meeting people when i was like 19 who would tell me oh yeah like some person like a street person who would be like mm -hmm. oh yeah i play the piano and oh yeah the guy from aerosmith taught me how to play the piano like we've all known people in our lives who've literally said crazy ass things about famous people like they know them right i don't yeah, know about right. you, but I have literally met people in my life way before I was a publicist, like just who would say ridiculously impossible things about famous people because they were nuts, right? Yep. Same. So honestly, I have so exactly we all have that. So I literally am afraid to tell most of my stories because unless I really know the person and they really know me in my life, you know? Yeah. Right. Like I'm just in a party or something. Like honestly, if I tell even like half my even like a third of my not even impressive life stories like people will look at me like oh yeah okay sure you know what i mean it's right. about, so i i, I just had like they don't i i think that so i, I mean they haven't because oh, I, don't sure. tell, I just feel like oh man what i suddenly can tell that story and name and people are just gonna be like uh what? Yeah, right. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to sound like pretentious, you know? Like, yeah, it's not even in their planet, you know what I right, mean? So right. oh yeah, I was talking the other day, or the time I was literally, you know, like and pre that I mean pre-death penalty, pre-PR stuff back in the death penalty world, like when I was just doing the Jimmy Dennis stuff, I was yeah. literally flown when I was 20 years old to um to Texas to be on uh, ABC TV. It was a big show on ABC, but it was, uh, you know, to speak about the death penalty. And mm. those shows, it was like an Oprah kind of show, but it was called Deborah Duncan. And those shows, and it was like just, you know, just in Texas. And those shows, they usually film like a whole bunch of people at one time for a bunch of different episodes. Right. And I swear to God, and this one, I don't even, I mean, I do not tell this story because I don't have a selfie because I didn't even have a cell phone in those days, okay? In 1999, you know, 2000 or 99, you know, it would have been, yeah, 
It would have been 2000 because I was flown to Texas while George Bush was campaigning for president. And I was okay. 30 years old. And in the, oh my God, there was a band that had just made the, they were national at the time because I'd heard their name. I would not have known the individual women's names of the band because I didn't follow the music. Mm -hmm. But Destiny's Child was a national thing at the time. They'd had like two hits. You know, Beyonce's old band? Yep. And Destiny's Child, I mean, you can look up, if you go and look into, it's, there's, a, there's a way to verify it. I just don't have it, you know? Because right. we were both filming the same day for Deborah Duncan's show. Like she was filming three episodes and Destiny's Child was being either interviewed or they were performing in one of the episodes, like in a different episode. And so I swear to God in my personal experience, and I, I wish someone would go find Deborah Duncan show, Texas 2000, because if you go and look at that week, you know, there'll be her, that we have the same episode. We, have to, we were literally in the, it was Deborah Duncan, me and, I guess it turned out to be Beyonce. We were in literally getting our, our, our makeup and hair done for the Deborah Duncan show with like only us three and the makeup people in the room. And I didn't like, you know, they were literally talking cause they're, I thought Deborah Duncan, Deborah Duncan's from Texas. I thought Beyonce was from Texas by their conversation, but I think actually Deborah Duncan was referring Beyonce to like, a dentist. Their whole conversation was really boring, and it was about one of them needing a dentist, <laughs> and the other one was referring human. To it was human, yeah. And the other one was referring, to, and I, I wasn't thinking it was boring at the time. I was literally just, you know, getting my hair done, looking at the mirror, like waiting for my right. time to go on, thinking about the episode, just mm, smiling and making small talk, you know. And then right. all I remember of it was somebody, and I didn't even remember which one of it, but then somebody since told me she's not from Texas. So I thought, oh, it must have been Deborah recommending you know, her on the dentist. And it was just literally like somebody needed dental work and Deborah or the other one was recommending the dentist and they said who they should go to. And they said, Oh yeah, tell him I sent you. And you know, that was it. And then we all got our hair done and we smiled and they actually did a really crazy looking makeup job. I didn't even like the makeup job they did with me on TV. <laughs> I hope they did a better one on hers, but yeah. So that's, I don't tell that story. I mean, I posted it once because, and I was like, in context of why I don't tell these stories. Yeah, sure. You know? But I mean, like, honestly, that, I mean, and even in other stories, most of my stories, I do have photo evidence, but even then I don't like bringing it up because it's stupid and uncomfortable. And it yeah, sounds right. like saying hi, that, that, you know, that time I was at band camp with Bob Dylan, <laughs> I just made up the, not Bob, I have not met Bob Dylan, but you know what I mean, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank, I appreciate it. Thank you for the, the betterism exclusive here. People are going to have to tune into yeah. the podcast just to hear yeah, that I've one never story. Said that one in, I've definitely never told that one in a podcast. The time Excellent. Tracy met Beyonce and I swear to God, on my career, by all that's holy, on everything, that happened. Please, somebody, find that. <laughs> or try to prove me wrong, and then you'll find it. And like, and then I'll yeah, be right. like, then I'll have it to show. <laughs> right, right. Then you can have the evidence for the next time you tell it, too. Because you know? it's a good story, because <laughs> it was hilarious. Because, again, I'm just, you know, the, like, I'm certainly no glamour girl at all. Yeah, right? sure. So that's right. why it's hilarious. I could say, oh, yeah, well, there was that time I literally got my hair and makeup done for TV beside Beyonce. Literally. <laughs> uh, that's that's like, so cool. I mean, that's stupid, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it's true. Well, Tracy, um, it, I, I got to say, this has been one of the most informative <laughs> episodes um, I've had in a while. So this is I've definitely thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Uh, do you want to switch over to those rapid fire questions now? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, so I call these rapid fire. <laughs> By no means your answers have to be rapid. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, it's kind of left and right, however you want to take it. So <laughs> we'll go from there. Um, OK, so first question, what are you currently reading right now? And would you recommend it? 
And the word reading can be taken lightly. I've had people name like podcasts and documentaries and yeah, all no, kinds I, of things. I usually have a book and a magazine both on the go, but I literally just finished a book. And so now I'm reading the the second last issue of The New Yorker. And it's the one on the cover is um, like a scene of a New York park and a really nicely drawn, like really cool image of a, a young mm. black couple with really cool hair hugging. And that's like literally the New Yorker that came because I love it in print. I like get really excited actually when it yeah. comes and it takes me like a week to read, even though I'm a, long, a quick reader because I'm so busy doing stuff. So sure. that that's what I'm literally reading before I came on this podcast right now. Oh, wow. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong with the New Yorker. I mean, you know, yeah, I like the it. New Yorker. Well, I really love all kinds of magazines. I didn't, you know, like if you asked me a day ago, I could have mentioned something that sounded way less highbrow, like because I read literally every magazine except Sports Illustrated. I don't have many subscriptions. Like New Yorker is the only one that I actually pay for right now. Yeah. But you know, but I, but I mean, I would read any magazine. Like you know, if someone was reading it, I'll read it next, cover to cover everything right. in it because I read because stuff that you wouldn't normally I wouldn't pick up a book on I can that's why I like the New Yorker and Harper's and stuff something I would never read a book on I can read a 10 page intensive article that I actually learn a deep dive learning about mm -hmm. yeah well I think that's the beauty of of magazines and, and journals like that is the yeah. the widespread variety it's not just like yeah. you know 300 pages on the same topic it's that's you know, what I like. It's totally random things. or and That's why I learned about sports people, too, because I, I will read an article in the New Yorker, a five-page article about some sports guy, because it's not just about goals. It'll be about a person. You know, it'll go yeah, right. back to exactly. people. It'll be about a human being and their journey, right? So. Right. And you and I know, as we both know how important having and keeping some sort of reading habit is, um, both as a person, but also professionally. It really helps your career, especially in someone like you who's in PR. Like, you kind of need to be up on what's going Absolutely. on in the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so question two, what's your favorite meal to prepare and cook? It could be for yourself, for your friends, for your family. Um, and don't feel any pressure there. I've had people on the show who are like actual chefs and then I've also had people on the show who are like, yeah, I don't cook at all. And I order pizza a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, So I'm somewhere in between. I'm definitely not an actual chef. I have some things that I do like to cook and, you know, whatever, but not, more because I like to make them, you know, like I like mm -hmm, to make them. Mm -hmm. But um, I am really bad for Uber to, you know, like, and my, we all Uber eats, you know, and yeah. that's, and not partly because related, but also because we like, my daughter's introduced me to like some Indian food, which I'm loving lately. I've always loved Middle Eastern food. And mm. so sometimes, you know, and meanwhile, I just filled up my freezer. We were like, okay, now we're going to cook at home through the pandemic and everything. But then, you know, we find ourselves ordering a whole bunch of stuff too, like when other people can cook. But I don't know. Um, what do I make? I make, and this isn't like, yeah, this is not like gourmet cooking or anything, but I yeah, make true. not from scratch, but I like making falafel. I just make, I buy falafel that mm. are pre-made pre-made because i find middle eastern people make them better i did yeah. not like the eves one there's a couple of brand like vegetarian brands i'm not a vegetarian but i love falafel uh, but some vegetarian brands make them and i'm like i don't know how you can mess it up but they're like i don't know what that was but it wasn't falafel and <laughs> so i always get it by like habiba or i always buy like an actual it looks like it's like a middle eastern brand for some reason yeah. spices everything it's, it's better a little for more authentic reason, yeah they just make i don't know what it is but something about falafel specifically people just seem to be really bad at making them with <laughs> the fake falafel but anyway yeah so falafel and i'm i like spinach just like baby spinach not big spinach baby spinach is like mm. it's good like a, for a salad i'm trying to eat healthier so i'm yeah. replacing lettuce which is no nothing in it really with some you know nice 
baby spinach and it's just as good to eat and you just throw some dressing on there and then yeah so that kind of stuff and also i tried to make chicken lately but i'm not as good at it as the people at the grocery store so i just order the rotisserie chicken you can't go wrong with that either <laughs> yeah i'm a fail on that <laughs> cool all right now uh, and so third and final question um, don't feel like you have to go profound with this, but you're more than welcome to, if you want, um, what's one life lesson you want to pass on to the listeners today. So one thing you want them to take away from the episode. Yeah. I always end with, well, yeah, I always, okay, Jimmy Dennis, the one who spent 25 years innocent on death row. He always said, never, never give up and really think about that because it, it'd be easy to be, to really give up. And he got out and he made magic happen. But this is what I always say when he's depressed and stuff is, you know, we didn't get this far to only get this far, meaning, you know, you're on your way to your Grammy because I forgot to tell you he's a he's a musician now, RB artist who's yeah. been getting attention from R and from Rolling Stone and BET and all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, your story doesn't end till the Grammy. But so when I started saying that, I started thinking about how that's really good for all of us, whether we're where we want to be, and you know, we still have ambition. Then you didn't get this far to only get this far. Keep going, yay! But even more importantly, if things aren't going well and you feel like a failure and you want to jump off a bridge and you know, you feel like you just, you know, you listen to all this podcast about success and all that, and it just makes you mad or sad or makes you feel less than that person. You didn't get this far to only get this far. You're definitely not a failure because you're still standing. Clearly you've been through a lot of shit like most of us. And, yeah. you know, you're still here. You're, you won. You're still here. You're making it. You know, you didn't drop. You didn't fall. You didn't let it all kill you. So keep on going because you've already got the hard times. You've got better times ahead. But you really, really have to believe in it. And you can't, you know, stay in that in a dark place. You have to believe that if I take a step and do something different, you know, I can keep going. So don't stay where you are. You did not get this far to this day to only get this far. So keep on going. It's, I like to leave that message. I love that. And I think it's incredibly important. It's, it's very easy to get hung up on all those, those obstacles and, and uh, difficulties along the path towards whatever your success is. Yeah. But you know, the only, I always, this came up in a few episodes that I've done recently too. It's the only really true failure is when you quit, yeah. <laughs> when you quit, then you're failing. But yeah. if you use that failure as a lesson to learn something, to keep going, then yeah. that it turns into a win <laughs> and even lose the people you know, use the people who slap you across the face too in terms of that as a fire under you you yeah. know if you're if people you know if you're dealing with racism or you're dealing with you know other isms or anything that's keeping you back or instead of just thinking that's the way it's always going to be and it is a thing as activists we got to acknowledge it and keep fighting it i'm not saying ignore it i'm not saying it isn't a thing of but course. while we're fighting it and while we're not ignoring it right internally don't let it kill you don't let it get you down yeah Turn it into a betterism. Exactly. You hey, go. you got it. <laughs> awesome. I like um, Tracy, again, it, it has been wonderful talking to you. I'm incredibly grateful for your time today. I know you're a very oh, busy no, person. Thank you so much. I'm so um, glad for the platform and what you do. Definitely. Where, where can listeners find you online if they want to connect, check out your services, check out some of your work or, you know, yeah, read some please. of these awesome stories you have going on? <laughs> please. Yeah, you can follow me on all the socials. Um, and also, yeah, I do work internationally. I won't get advertorial, but if you do want to talk to me about, you know, what you do, uh, you know, um, honestly, there's media opportunities for everybody and that's what they talk about thought leadership now, building up your thought leadership and what you do. So reach me at uh, lamorimedia.com or on Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media, on Facebook, Tracy Lamori. LinkedIn is also a great place to reach me, Tracy Lamori. Um, and that's L A M O U R I E. Excellent. Um, a lot of good tidbits of wisdom in here. So please. 
please, please feel free to share. Um, We will talk soon. All right, Tracy. Talk to you again. Thank you so much. Yep. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning.